welcome to another episode of How Do You Do? I'm Samantha Vinicor Meinrat. And I'm El Harudi. And we are back like every week to talk about all things Jewy. Yeah, El, how's it going? It's going good. I'm uh, kind of excited. We, we are record, we are pre-recording, so I'm excited for Rosh Hashanah that is like right around the corner. And I have a bunch of like, you know, good things happening. Um, as someone who just tasted one of the good things you have <laughs> happening, guys, Yael just made French toast muffins. <laughs> and I am very pleased with the things going on in your life. My tummy thanks you. You're welcome. I'm just yes. going to come out and say it's not new on the menu. I mean, it, it may, it may be. I don't know. Haven't decided, but it's for a workshop, so. Yes, stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> How you been? I'm good. I'm still in the thick of packing and moving. Boo. Um, I have <laughs> discovered that I think I'm a hoarder. No. Nah. Um, it always feels that way when we move, because then we find out all the things that we... Just like, things save. that I've accumulated, and it's like, I haven't seen that in two years, but I think the problem then becomes... Obviously, this is something I haven't seen in two years. So I can live without it. Yeah. But then as soon as I saw it, it's like, well, obviously I need to keep this and ship it across state lines. Yeah, but then like what happens in like a month, two months, a year? You all of a sudden need it. One day I will need all And then you'll say, oh, I remember things. when I thought I don't need it and I threw it away. Nope, one day mm -hmm. needing all the things. So, so thank you for sure, relating to yeah. me. No, I, I really, I moved here with three suitcases and 16 boxes. Okay, which is not a lot. No, that's really not. I mean, not here to this house, but like to the States. To the Americas. Mm -hmm. And um, when I moved to this house, I had way more than 16. Yeah. Like, more than double. And um, I think I'm, I'm a hoarder. I think my latest thing has become, I have friends, amazing friends, who are so organized at packing mm -hmm. that it's like, this is a kitchen box. This is a bedroom oh, yeah. box. How do you do it? I start out really organized. So it'll be, I am placing books into this box and I'm gonna label it books. But then there are these little pockets around the books that it's like, this feels like a really great spot for a single sock and an out like a, or an electrical cord and some gum and I just like end up shoving random things in because I'm like oh I don't want to waste the space. I feel like you can have like a box of your bedroom and you know in the bedroom you have like a bunch of random things. Yeah, I've like just taken it to this like <laughs> very specific place of you know, everyone utter does, chaos. Everyone does packing differently. Absolutely, I look forward to. Hopefully, hopefully not having to do this again anytime soon. Also, books, you can't put them all in one box. No, they are, I have. Heavy. I have 12 book boxes right now. What? I have a pro, guys, I'm a Jewish educator and I have a problem. <laughs> what happened to Kindle and, and stuff like that? <laughs> Gotta be old school. I need to smell it. I need to highlight it. I need to like well, I can, I can, feel I understand it. That. Um, but yeah, so far I'm at, I can't relate, but I understand that. So far I'm at 12 <laughs> boxes of books and then I have a separate one, my 13th book box, which are the ones that I can't live without in between now and like when I get my stuff back. <laughs> so you leave it so open. the books that I'm bringing <laughs> with me, yeah. like in the car, I'm calling it my emotional support books. <laughs> um, and nerds unite. There's someone out there who can relate to me. For sure. Um, my mom. Your mom. <laughs> Amazing. Noam gets it. Um, certain friends do, others don't. 
I think my brother just like hung up the phone on me when I was explaining <laughs> this, but like we all, we all have our stuff guys. Um, but today we are here to specifically talk about Yom Kippur. As we record, like you said, we are just entering this season of Chagim, the Yomim Noraim, these days of awe. Um, but we are recording this Hi as our- holidays. Hi holidays. As our Yom Kippur episode. And I think all Jews will appreciate that we are pre-recording because we will be busy eating during the holidays. Except for Yom Kippur. Well, we eat before and after. That is true. And we'll be thinking I'll about... I'll be eating more before <laughs> We'll be thinking about the food in between. Well, that brings up for me. All right. So, what did Yom Kippur look like for you growing up in Israel? Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. There was like a pause. Way different than here. Yes. So, did you ride a bike? Of course. <laughs> and rollerblades and... Um, scooters. Scooters. Yeah. So yeah, that's a thing in Israel where it's like national bike riding on the highway day. Not highway. Well, okay, I come from a suburb. Of course. So there's a gate at the entrance. It's, all, it's a gated like suburb. Mm -hmm. And so they close the gate at the beginning of Yom Kippur and you just roam the streets. Um, so it wasn't on the highway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was very safe. Okay. Um, in between the houses in the, in the suburb with all of our friends and all kids are outside dressed in white mm -hmm. everyone is outside on the street um right after so okay sorry so i'll start from the beginning Please. so you have a huge meal the pre-fast pre-fast um and then and then you usually make plans with your friends because you you don't use your cell phone or anything so I used to make plans with my friends mm -hmm. um, to meet at like a certain hour somewhere. And then we would all meet there and then that's it. We were together and the mission was go through the night. That was Whoa. the mission. The mission like was- Like an all nighter of young we, people. Yeah, so we would, we would do what house do do? hopping. Like we would go from house to house. Whoever had like a certain game, we would go there, play Monopoly. We would go like play Remy Cube. Um, or just sit around and talk. Usually it starts, we had a big circle type thing uh -huh. um, in like the central area of the suburb. And so everyone would meet there. Like all kids, all ages, high school, so elementary school, whatever, everyone were there. Um, and then we would split up in our groups mm -hmm. from there um, to like our houses and stuff as the night went like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Usually I would come home around Five or six a.m. Oh my god, that's my bedtime. Mm -hmm. And sleep—that's your wake-up time. You mean? No, I'm, I don't. I don't even know that they have those in the morning time. <laughs> I'm just like I love sleep. So we would come. I would come back like at five, six a.m. And then I would, you know, sleep the whole day. And every time I would wake up, I'm like, nope, I need to power through this, and I would continue sleeping. <laughs> I like that. That's the big commitment. No, I must keep napping. Must keep napping. Um, and then there was one year—the only time it ever happened to me. I went to sleep not as late as I wanted to. Okay. And I woke up 10 minutes after the fast has ended. Oh my God. So I heard I heard um, cars outside. So you knew it was and over? And I was like, what? Cars? Wait, what time is what it? What day is this? So I woke up immediately and I, and I looked at my phone. I was like, oh no, it's 10 minutes after. You slept the whole day. I can go eat. And That's then he never went to eat right after, so. It's kind of weird. Wow. And did you feel like, I think Yom Kippur for non-religious Jews in Israel is so interesting because <laughs> it's like everyone is observing the holiday in some way, yeah. but not necessarily related to 
the uh, listed intents of the holiday. It's really this day of being, like you said, with your friends, with your community, um, spending time together, definitely like unplugging in a way because you're either outside or playing games. But in terms of like the themes of repentance yeah. and all well, of that. I think, I mean, I, grew, I definitely grew up believing that Definitely. So I, I do believe that the fasting is the way to mm-hmm. to to do that. Um, and yes, playing games, I guess, and hanging out with your friends kind of loses or supposedly loses the meaning. Mm-hmm. But the way I looked at it and the way all my friends did mm-hmm. is the the fact that we're fasting is, you know, You're doing making up for our yeah. sins. And so that's how that's how so, I saw it. As I grew up, I kind of saw it less like that. Um, I just believe you need to be a good person all mm-hmm. year long. Sure. Because technically, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you know a lot about Yom Kippur, but I actually learned that. <laughs> Not now, but like a while At ago. At some point, you've learned, yes. Yeah. Um, so the actual sins that you that you are, what's the word? Repenting. Yeah. Uh, the actual sins that you're repenting are only the Jewish sins. Mm-hmm. So like not keeping kosher, not keeping the Sabbath. And then when I grew up, I kind of thought, so it's not about being a good person or not being a good person. It's about, you know, not being Jewish enough. And I don't do that anyway. It's interesting. So the way that I learned, it wasn't necessarily about Jewish sins, but it was sins between you and God because the sins between you and another person if you were mean to me um which has not happened she did give me a muffin (laughs) earlier but if you were mean to me and then you decided to go make up for it on Yom Kippur that doesn't count because those are interpersonal you have to go apologize to me and do your tshuva your repentance with me specifically so is that why people say sorry always before Yom Kippur before because Yom Kippur is not about between you and I it's about between you and like God. God and morality as a whole and like the things that only So why do people you, apologize? In the time leading up to it. But, because you're still supposed to apologize between people, oh. but you can't like say, I don't like Yael, I'm gonna bully her all year <laughs> and then never like do the work between the two of us and I could just say, oh God, I'm sorry I was mean to Yael and like have my slate wiped yeah. clean because that's between you and I. Mm-hmm. I need to apologize to you and then for like the work of Yom Kippur, that's like the inner and like the divine work and so all of that. I'll just throw it out there. There are so many people that need to apologize to me. <laughs> We're gonna start naming names. <laughs> I'm dropping them. No, I'm kidding. Not so many, but I can think of a few. I think part of like what's beautiful about the like actually asking for forgiveness though, like one of my pet peeves, yeah. um, I, I have a very specific social media Community, like in terms of the people that I'm friends with on Facebook or whatever. So I don't know if this is other people's lived experience. Every year in like the days leading up to Yom Kippur, all these people start posting on Facebook like a blanket statement of, if I did something to hurt you this year, I'm sorry, please let me know so I can make up for it. And it's like, that's not doing the work of like really looking and saying like, I know who I've not treated well this are, year. Are those people Israeli? They are shockingly not. Oh, okay. Because um, in Israel, it's a thing like towards Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. I, I keep seeing more and more posts of people saying, I'm sorry if I hurt you. Right. If I did, if I did anything, like I'm extremely, right. you know. But to me, I'm just like, that's like, to me, that feels like such a platitude. Like yeah. I would rather, I agree. instead of just being like, I'm sorry if I hurt you, I know exactly who I can be doing better in my relationships <laughs> with. Yeah. And 
of course, like I'm sure there are things that I'm terrible about and I'm not aware of, but I would never put the burden to be like, if I've been mean to you, come let me know. Yeah. Um, instead, like I, I hope that I have the come let me know. No, I should know that right. I've been I mean hope to I you. have the awareness to do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. if I don't, well, that's a whole other. That's between me and God. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a whole other story. So I definitely have my list of people that I need to. Uh, check in with in in the coming days okay and tell me about Yom Kippur when you were growing up so ours was very synagogue based um you know definitely not the outside we did go to synagogue I'm sorry I kind of left that out we we we, we go at the beginning and at the end but we don't mm-hmm. stay there the whole night right so we did the whole day so we would go for Kol Nidre which is the uh era of Yom Kippur the night that starts Yom Kippur which I always think is one of the most beautiful ceremonies um, or services of the year. I love it. Um, I'm really nerdy. But um, yeah, no, I love Kol Nidre, so we would go for that. And then we would spend almost all day in synagogue because this is like a very Vinacore story. Yeah. So from the time that I had my bat mitzvah, so when I was 13, I started um, reading the Haftorah for Yom Kippur services in our synagogue. And I read it through college, like every year. Wow. Um, that was like my big honor for the year. That's really And then cool. my dad, from when I was pre-Bat Mitzvah, when I was like eight or nine years old, every year would read Yona, which is the Haftorah for the Mincha and Mariv service at the end of Yom Kippur. So he and I would both do a Haftorah that day. And Every year? Every year. There was no other person that wanted to do it? No. Um, really? Or I, or I don't know if it's that no one that's, else wanted to. That's a lot of to. respect. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if it's that no one else wanted to, or like once you kind of have someone in place with an honor, you're not going to necessarily take it that's really away. Cool. So we would really be there for so much of the day because we would get there first thing in the morning, you know, got to get good seats. We would stay through the end of Shachrit, the end of the morning service, and I would do my Haftarah. Then there'd be a break and we would go home and nap. And then most people would come back later for like Ni'ila, the closing service, kind of like once it was almost at the end. But because the first thing that happens for the afternoon evening service is chanting Yona, chanting the Haftor, we would be the first people back oh, wow. because my dad was doing it. So we would Did spend, you drive to synagogue? We did. Um, You're whispering it. Just that in Israel, like. No, in Israel, I know, you don't drive. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who I know who, like, even if they would drive to Shabbat services all year, they do walk to Yom yeah. Kippur. Yom Kippur. Um, um, we never did. We lived far away. Um, no, that's fair. I and mean, it just wasn't. Synagogues here can be extremely far. Yeah, no, it far could be far. And it just wasn't necessarily a thing for us. Um, but we were really there the whole day. We had our nap time in between. And I just, I remember loving it. I feel like so many people complain about Yom Kippur because fasting is challenging and annoying and it should be like it's meant to be work but i feel like but i had like a mission i like love you had you had your responsibility I, oh my gosh, I had my responsibility yeah and but i love the services i love like the prayers um and it's also just like it, especially in the american jewish community you know we call it not very kindly like three day a year jews people who you don't see all year but only come for rosh hashanah and yom kippur and i feel like it's not for me to judge why or why not someone is coming or not coming but i just always remember people who we didn't see all year they would come and you would see who had a new baby or who had a new spouse or like it was just like this community reunion vibe almost so i always loved it um and always took part in the services and then like 
I, I love doing my Haftarah. This is such a nerdy thing. But then I found other spaces over the years to do it. So in college at Hillel, I did it. In grad school once. Um, on Yom Kippur? On Yom Kippur. Oh, that's cool. Um, like that specific one. I could still, I could actually probably right now if called upon, even though I do read it, I think I've done it so many times. I've memorized the whole thing that like, <laughs> I could probably daven it right now and chant the whole thing for our listeners. I won't. Um, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, it was always such a, a beautiful thing for me. And then when I started spending Yom Kippur in Israel, it was so interesting to like feel, you know, feel the difference because in America, part of what I experience on Yom Kippur is that sense of my bubble. Because when we're going to synagogue, we're driving past people at Starbucks, people going to work, like the rest of the world is kind of moving yeah, um, on and we feel so like weird. we're just in our own little nook. Yeah. Um, and in Israel, just everyone's part of it. And the one time I felt like Israel and America, this is such a random uh, story. When I was living in Washington, DC, went to Yom Kippur services, uh, in like downtown DC and it was the same day that the Pope was visiting the White House mm -hmm. so all the streets were closed to traffic because the Pope was coming to the White House and Noam and I we went to services and then we were just walking and we we looked at each other and we realized we're not on the sidewalk we're just walking up the middle of the street which is exactly what we would be doing yeah, in israel that's cool and it felt like such a yom kippur israel vibe because the pope came to visit the president and we were just like strolling up the block and that was a best of both worlds the first time i didn't feel like yom kippur was actually yom kippur mm -hmm. um the first time in my life was when i finished my army service and i was living in australia mm -hmm. um so Yom Kippur started first night and everything and then the next day I said okay there's a synagogue like it's you know a few streets down um, I'm gonna walk down there and see see what's happening see what's happening yeah. see if there's like a service maybe I can join yeah. or cause you know I was looking for more Jews absolutely um, so I, I you know got dressed up walked out my house and the street was happening. Like, yep. Everyone was out driving, stores were open, the grocery store is popping. It's very weird. I, I, I walked down, I decided this is too weird for too me. Too much. <laughs> I'm not going all the way down to the synagogue. Turned back, went to my house, closed the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay, so these are past experiences we've had. This year, like our really, you know, second uh, COVID Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Kippur, wow, duh, or mm -hmm. both, but specifically Yom Kippur this time. What are you doing this year? What are your plans? Well, I don't have any big plans for Yom Kippur. <laughs> um, probably do, I mean, I didn't really talk to my mom about this, but we're not going to um, um, a synagogue mm -hmm. or, or anything. Sorry, everyone. Um, that's okay. I, I still don't belong to a synagogue. I should. That's that's your own journey. Point. How you Jew? <laughs> I, I'm I'm still figuring this out. Sorry, um, <laughs> but but like I don't know. I think um, my cousin is my cousin is coming back from Israel. Um, so probably spend it together. Mm -hmm. Probably do a meal before. Spend spend it together. I don't know. Maybe I'll sleep over at my mom's house. That's fine. Because they go live next to each other. Some people. I know. Um, and so, and so, I think that's how I'm going to do. You're probably going to New York, I'm guessing? No, I'm going to New what? York for Rosh Hashanah, but Yom Kippur is really hard to travel for a day. Yeah. Because it's very schleppy. Oh my God. Oh. I thought you would just be there for like the holidays. No, no. I have to 
come back in between. Boo. Um, boo packing. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> packing. Boo, like... Boo moving. Negotiations. Even, um, even Dan said it was sad that you're leaving. I'm honored. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of sad. That is kind of sad. Thank you, Dan. It is. Um, it's not kind of sad. It's, it's very objectively sad. sad. <laughs> but um, no, my Yom Kippur plans, it's interesting because so last year I, I tried to do the Zoom service thing and I just found that. Wait, like, I didn't know that's an option. Yeah. All the services are being like streamed on Zoom because of COVID. Is it being streamed this year? Because I heard like mm-hmm. rabbis are. You said it. You said I think that rabbis are telling people not to come to services. Cert, I mean, certain synagogues. Like, I think. Did you it, tell say that to me? I didn't say they're saying not to come because, like, I don't think that's the language. I think there are certain synagogues that have decided because of the pandemic that it makes more sense to still gather virtually. Yeah. There are others who are doing inside. Others who are doing outside. Mm-hmm. The majority of the synagogues here, just in Cleveland, um, non-Orthodox synagogues, have decided to go virtual. Um, Hmm. which I understand and respect why they've made that choice for, like, the safety of the community. But for me, like, especially since I'm by myself, I was, like, sitting alone and watching a Zoom service doesn't resonate with me. And also I discovered last year I'm way too mean um, to do (laughs) this. I will not name the synagogue that I Zoomed into last year for Yom Kippur, but about four minutes into Kol Nidre, I just turned to Noam and said, that Cantor has very expressive eyebrows and it's distracting. <laughs> and he was like, Samantha, we're supposed to be being kind today to others. And he's like, his eyebrows are just doing a lot of stuff. I'm way too mean. And I have a lot of feelings. Oh, so God. I was like, you know, I have, of course, as always, I have the meals down, the pre-fast, the break fast. In between, it became, uh, like I've said, I really, it still stays important to me, even if I don't do my traditional practice, to make the day feel different. So I was like, maybe I'll be Israeli and Nala and Pebbles and I will go on a hike and just like breathe in and breathe out and enjoy being like in, you know, in nature. Maybe I'll go crash some of my friends and just say like board game time. Um, But I was like, I just, I don't want it to turn into just kind of another day. And I think when I sit at home, it becomes so easy to be like, oh, okay, I guess I'll put on Netflix. Like I want to be reading. I want to maybe just like be tech free altogether to make sure that it still feels different, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like what I think of as a traditional Yom Kippur for, for my practices. We, we do a tech-free. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we've always done a tech-free. Mm-hmm. We didn't. Um, like, we were in synagogue, so it wasn't, like, you know, anything intentional in terms of, like, we don't bring our phones to synagogue, so we didn't have them the majority of the day, and then in between we were napping so like we weren't you know gathering and watching tv but we never really said anything about it i think in israel it's very easy to do a tech free um thing because everyone is doing a tech free thing so like even if i don't know someone was not observing the holiday no one would be on their phone because right there's no one to talk talk to to? (laughs) there's no one to talk to um so we talked a minute ago about like yom kippur being about repentance and i wanted to understand what, if anything, does that mean for you? And is this a holiday, like, that you, you really find meaning in? So, I mean, yes. Uh, first of all, I do find meaning in it. But I think, I think as, I, as I grew up um, and learned a lot about how, what, because in school you learn that it's, you know, le chaper, to, to like, repent. Repent, you got this, you got this. <laughs> Learning new words. 
um, to repent. We all are. <laughs> um, for your sins. Yeah. And then when I grew up and I learned it's more about, you know, your, like you said, mm-hmm. between you and God. Yeah. Um, and I... I learned, but I'm not sure from what you said. I learned it is about about the Jewish about, things. Yeah, saying. so mm-hmm. like not keeping kosher and mm-hmm. and not keeping the Sabbath, mm-hmm. which you know everyone knows I don't. So, um, so I kind of I kind of thought I kind of made a new meaning mm-hmm. for myself, and I decided that I, for me, it is it is a lot about being a good person. Yeah. So I think. Um, that's the meaning for it. And I do try to be a good person all year long. Um, of course, I'm a human, so I'm sure I make mistakes as well. No. Just like everyone else. Um, and I'm sure I've failed um, just like Samantha and the canter. <laughs> that was within like one minute. It was just like, I need to talk about this. I'm the meanest person. I'm so sorry. Maybe I should reach out to him of like, you don't know this, no. but I bullied you this year. Don't do that. Okay, that's fair. Don't do that because then he'll be angry and then he'll have something to write. That's true. I'm really just, You'll just gonna, it's really God's yeah. work here that yeah. I'm not telling him. <laughs> Save him. Like, make sure that he stays a good person. You're welcome. <laughs> um, anyways, but, so that I think that's the meaning for me. Like that's, that's the meaning now just to be a good person. I try to be a good person all year long, but I think Yom Kippur is like a time to reflect and, and look at myself and look at the way I was the whole year mm-hmm. and maybe do something different Mm -hmm. uh next year yeah i definitely think it's a time of self-reflection i also so since i um married noam Mm -hmm. another element of yom kippur that has become really resonant is the yom kippur war and Mm -hmm. i had never like obviously i knew about the yom kippur war and based on the name i think anyone whether or not they know about it could ascertain it started on Yom Kippur. When did Um, it happen? So, um, like, that was always, like, a thing that I was intellectually aware of. But Noam's family is from Kibbutz Beit HaShitah. And Beit HaShitah has the uh, dubious distinction in Israel of being the place that lost the largest percentage of sons in the Yom Kippur War. There were 11 of them from the kibbutz that that died. And... um, getting to know especially my father-in-law and how shaping that was for his just like identity and life trajectory and my um, grandmother-in-law yeah like um, Noam's grandmother how much that became internalized in her story like the memories of that I feel like in so many ways the day took on um, a very different meaning particularly when I'm with them and their family and Mm -hmm. what it represents in just a totally different way. So I think there's the personal and the inner work, but each year, especially if we're not in Israel, it becomes really important all the more so for Noam to like tell those stories um, and to to keep that like Beit HaShita communal experience that's beautiful. alive also. Um, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I like that. It's been a thing. Um, uh, and on that note, I'm gonna... <laughs> I don't even know. Switching gears. I don't even know how to transition. We're just going to name it. We're switching gears. Um, But as you know, I'm all into food. Yeah, same. How was my muffin? (laughs) So um, I want to know because there's a huge difference between um, Israeli breakfast and American breakfast. So I think we should both like talk about what breakfast is for us. And so what's breakfast food 
for you. So break fast food in America is bagels. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bagels and lox, bagels and cream cheese. There is a bagel platter situation happening and it's always something like super light that you basically don't have to put any effort or minimal effort into preparing because you never want to be stuck preparing it while you're still fasting. Um, it's called or you don't want to preparing. Yeah. <laughs> so I always try to do a combo because I will have the bagels, I will have the lox, um, I will have like you know probably have like chopped up like an Israeli salad or something. But then I also like. I feel like breakfast is a perfect time for some kind of slow cooker item because it could really just sit on all day. Like you can pop it. Oh my God. In. Can you imagine you do that? Well, not if you're not now, if I'm sitting at home, just watching it, but if I'm in synagogue and I'm oh not no. home all day to if, smell it. Yeah. That's what I, that's no. what I, was, I was like. Oh my so, God. I could never sit at no, home. So smell it, all of that. It hungry. would not be this year's the plan. Day is the worst. So it wouldn't be this year's plan because I'm at home, but I feel like days when I am in synagogue all day and I am intentionally not at home, yeah. then I have no problem just like putting something on a low heat and like letting it oh wow go what about you what is israeli breakfast okay israeli breakfast is way different yeah so we break the fast so okay we prepare for this before so just as you're preparing the food to eat you know yeah before, before fa- mm-hmm. oops i just like bumped into the microphone sorry um so just like you're preparing the food from be- before before yeah. the fast you also prepare the food for after. So right. the, the food for after is actually cookies. So we break the fast with tea and cookies, usually just mint leaves in hot water with maybe a little bit of honey or a little bit of sugar, and that's it. That doesn't feel like it needs that much preparation. I know, it's very healthy also <laughs> uh, for your stomach. It's very light on your stomach. And then a few cookies. So you that's how you break the fast, because mm-hmm. if first of all, when I finish the fast, I don't want to see anything so i usually have um also like a glass of 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 orange juice Mm -hmm. or fresh squeezed pomegranate juice i love that i had a squeezer in israel i'll need to get another one sounds great Mm -hmm. we did have at well so at synagogue before you would go home for your bagels Mm -hmm. as soon as you leave our at least the synagogue i grew up in there would be cookie platters out there but instead of it being like what you're describing of like you just take a bite and absorb instead it was like the running of the jews to like how can you like when the fast ends they are ready and it was just like one year i feel like my stomach was stuck to my back i never wanted to eat anything one year amongst the cookie platters there was like a rugelach tray I thought someone was going to die. Oh, um, my God. People just went for it. So in Israel, a lot of, a lot of places that sell, like, baked goods yeah. would prepare... Um, like, specifically for that. Like, cookie platters for people to buy for Yom Kippur. And so people would prep either at home, just make cookies, different types of cookies, or just buy these, like, cookie platters for the end of Yom Kippur. And that's how you start, you know, mm-hmm. the breakfast. And then, like, an hour, an hour and a half later, you have a meal. So you'd have usually um we would have soup mm-hmm. oh, to start also it, also it like hydrates you but right. also it's, no, it's a good food one. and then if we felt that we still like needed a little bit more food because you, you don't always want to eat so much food right, afterwards that's true. then we would have a meal maybe two hours after the fast is over um and it's usually leftovers from you know so the important <laughs> question are you going to be providing 
like break cookies. fast cookies for the masses. Yeah, so I actually have had, I've been requested to um, by the group of Israeli women <laughs> that I absolutely love here. Um, we love you, Israeli women. So I've I've been asked if I'm going to prepare cookies for Yom Kippur, and I'm actually I'm, I think I'm going to. That's beautiful because I think it is very nice to break the fast with cookies. It's very light, fun. I know Americans love bagels, we love bagels, and all the toppings to break the fast with. But for me, it's way too heavy to break the fast that way. I love my cookies and tea. That sounds lovely. <laughs> and I'm probably going to be going to the West Side Market to get some mint leaves because they have, each leaf is like huge. huge. They're beautiful. I love it. I'm going to try Miles Market. I'm going to give them a chance. Um, good luck. Good luck to Miles Market. Hope you guys shape up. Probably do. And uh, we wish each other, I wish you, I wish all of our listeners a healthy and meaningful Yom Kippur fast if you are fasting and a meaningful Yom Kippur, whatever it is that looks like for you. Yes. Um, we want to remind everyone, of course, as always, please, if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, share it with a friend, make a friend to share it with, uh, send us your feedback. You can follow us on Instagram at howdoyoujewpod or email us at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. I love the make a friend to share it with. Yes. We're, we're adding that from now on. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> you, no pressure. You just have to remember. Make new friends. <laughs> um, yeah. And until next time, happy doing. Bye.